life is filled with moments. And to help encourage powerful moments with the Lord each and every day, Dr. David Jeremiah has written a new book called Moments with God. This beautiful year-long devotional makes a wonderful companion to your personal Bible study. When you give a generous gift of $120 or more to Turning Point, you'll receive a Moments with God devotional four-pack, one for you and three to share. Donate online at davidjeremiah.ca. That's davidjeremiah.ca. This two-word phrase appears hundreds of times in the Bible to bolster and encourage believers. Fear not. Clearly, God knows how harmful fear can be. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah continues his look at fear with a focus on how to respond when you feel fear taking hold. From Slaying the Giants in Your Life, here's David with the conclusion of his message, Slaying the Giant of Fear. You know, folks, we just have come through the Advent season, and I'm always reminded uh, during that season of how many times in the narrative of the birth of Christ uh, is the phrase, fear not, over and over and over again. Someone has said that God um, puts that phrase in the Bible so many times because he knows this is a fearful place to be, this earth. Uh, The book of Job in the Old Testament, the first book of the Bible, really, to have been written, is a book about all the anxieties and fears that happened in Job's life. Isn't it amazing that God goes out of his way to help us with these issues? And God wants you to live a life above fear. He doesn't want you to live in fear. And we're going to talk more about that today in part two of the beginning message of this new series, Slaying the Giants in Your Life. Well, friends, today is indeed the very last day for me to tell you about this book that we have been um raving about during the month of January. Uh, I don't usually get quite as excited about books as I have this one, written by Nancy DeMoss. This book will help you understand how all of these things work between the activities on the earth and the sovereignties in heaven. Heaven Rules reminds us that while things are unraveled down here, they're not unraveled in heaven. God is in control. He sees the end from the beginning. He never loses track of any of his people. He hasn't forgotten about you. And uh, this book will so encourage you, and it's so theologically correct and so practical. I hope you'll give us this one last chance to make this book available to you. It's yours for the asking for your gift today, the last day of January. Ask for your copy of the book, Heaven Rules, and it will be in your home as soon as we can get it to you for you to read and meditate upon and practically apply to your own life. Right now, this is uh, part two of Slaying the Giant of Fear. Let's listen. You know what I've been learning as I get older? That while faith is important and it's important to build your faith muscles, sometimes every experience of faith is like starting over. Have you noticed that? It would seem like if you've watched God do some great things for you in the past, you should be able to climb up on that, and it would be real easy to trust him again. But how many of you know sometimes that doesn't work that way? And the Israelites are a certain illustration of that. They decided that in light of all that God had done to demonstrate his goodness in their behalf, that they would not believe his word. Fear disobeys God's principles. That's the fifth thing. Notice. Nevertheless, verse 26, you would not go up, but you rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. 
I know this is going to be a little harsh for some of you, but let me say it to you again. Here's where the crux of this whole thing rests. Fear is disobedience. Fear is disobeying God. You know, there's a little phrase in the Bible. Somebody said they counted them, and there's 365 of them. I don't know if that's true because I haven't counted them. I tried to count them once, and I couldn't get to 365, so I don't use this illustration as fact. But many, many times in the Bible is this little phrase. You know what the phrase is? Fear not. How many times does God have to say to us, fear not, for us to understand that if we fear... We're not doing what God tells us to do. And to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. You say, well, Pastor Jeremiah, I can't help my fears. Well, we're going to talk about that in a few moments. But, you know, it's a very important thing to understand that if God has given us the principle of faith, to deny that principle is to deny God's plan for our life. And fear destroys and disobeys the principles of God says here, nevertheless, you would not go up, but you rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. Now, what's the result of all of this? I'm trying to tell this story as quickly as I can, but listen to me. The result of it was because they would not believe God, God wasn't going to provide for them what he provided for them, what he had promised he was going to give them. And so in the next passage of scripture that you read in the book of Deuteronomy and again in the book of Numbers, what you discover is this. That the whole generation that did not believe God was prohibited from going into the land of promise. All the adult generation, the generation of Joshua and Caleb, that whole generation was forbidden to go into the promised land. And they spent the next 40 years wandering around in the wilderness until that whole generation died off. The only two people that were allowed to go into the promised land were Joshua and Caleb. And the interesting thing in the passage is that the children who they were afraid were going to be destroyed by the giants in the land were the only ones among them who were going to be allowed to go in the promised land. After the adult generation died off, the children then were able to go into the promised land under Joshua's leadership. How many of you know that if fear dominates your life, ultimately it destroys everything God wants to do for you? How many people I've known whom... God has spoken to, God has given them a direction in their life. He's maybe called them to some ministry, called them to some mission field, called them to do something special, and out of fear, they have refused to do it. And their whole life becomes just kind of a rambling, meaningless journey. My friends, fear can steal away from us the very thing God wants to give us. Fear is a powerful force. The spirit of fear that dominates a life can keep God from doing what he wants to do in you. So you say, well, Pastor Jeremiah, what do we do about fear? I don't want to just bring these problems to you. We all know that fear is a problem. Some of you come here today with fear is a great problem. I met a girl who in tears came forward and she said, I cannot believe you spoke about this today. I said, what do you mean? She said, I came here from the East Coast because I thought God wanted me on the West Coast. I came here looking for a job. I don't know anybody. I don't have a job. I don't know where I'm going to live. I don't know any of these things. She said, there's never been a moment in my life when I've been more fearful than I am right now. And I come to church and you talk about fear. (laughs) What do you do when fear begins to dominate your life? Well, I want to give you four or five things that I've learned from studying God's Word. Number one. 
You confront your fear honestly. You have to confront fear. Fear isn't going to go away. If you have a spirit of fear that chases you around and won't let you alone, it's not going to just one day not be there. You have to confront fear. You have to, first of all, understand what it is that's causing you to be fearful. I've had people say to me, you know, Pastor, I don't know what I'm afraid of. I just have this spirit of fear. We need to ask God to help you isolate what that fear is and confront it. Because I promise you, it's not something you can run away from. I read about a Canadian family who, fearing that another world war was coming, decided to move to another part of the planet where peace was guaranteed. So after months of deliberation, they chose the remotest spot they could imagine. And in March of 1992, they relocated to the Falkland Islands. And five days later, the Argentinians invaded, marking the start of the Falklands War. Can't run from fear. You know what? If you run from fear, wherever you show up, fear will be waiting for you at the door. So you've got to confront it. Secondly, I've alluded to this already, but let me put it in positive terms. You need to confess your fear to the Lord. Confess it as sin. If God says, fear not, and we fear, we're disobeying God. You say, well, you can't command your feelings. No, you cannot command your feelings, but you can allow your will to obey the voice of God. And you can fill your life with his truth. Psalm 34, 4 says, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all of my fears. There's only one way to get rid of fear. Like any other sin, we have to recognize it and confess it and repent of it. And claim God's promise of forgiveness and go on with our life. So you have to confront your fear honestly. You have to confess your fear is sin. Thirdly, you need to claim God's promises of protection. Did you know that the Bible is filled with promises? And if I were a person who had a fearful spirit, I would take some three by five cards and I'd go home today and I'd take these references I'm going to give you in a few moments and I'd copy these verses out on a three by five card and I'd put one on the visor in my car. I'd put one on the wall in the bathroom. I'd put one under the glass at my desk. I'd put one in my wallet, maybe one in my inside pocket and every time the spirit of fear began to invade my life, I'd pull out one of the promises of Almighty God and read it out loud. God has given us his promises to encourage and strengthen us. You say, what kind of promises are we talking about? Let me give you four or five that you can put down on your list. First one, Deuteronomy 31, 6. Be strong and of a good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. And he will not leave you nor forsake you. That's a good word, isn't it? Number two, Psalm 27, 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Psalm 118, verse 6. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Proverbs 3, 25 and 26. Do not be afraid of sudden terror, nor of trouble from the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Proverbs 29, 25. The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. 
Here's my favorite one. Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. You put those verses in your heart. Put them on your three by five cards. And when the spirit of fear begins to move into your life, just get them out and start to read them. And don't stop with these. Do your own research. You can find the word fear in the concordance of your Bible. Look up all of the places where it's found and mine those truths and make them a part of your system. And when the enemy comes along with his little whispers of fear, you tell him, forget it. I have a word from God. Fear not. Then you need to do something else that's going to sound a little strange and maybe like a pat answer, but it's not. And I hope you'll stay with me here. You need to cultivate a closer relationship with God. Now you say, Pastor Jeremiah, can't you come up with something more original than that? But hang with me because this is really important. There are two men out of the 12 who came back and saw everything everybody else saw. Joshua and Caleb went every place where all of the other men went. They saw all the giants. They saw everything. They saw the walled cities. But they came back with a different view of things. They came back and said, we can do this. I often like to tell people the difference is the 10 who came back with the negative report saw the giants compared to themselves. And Joshua and Caleb saw the giants compared to God. And makes a lot of difference where you make the comparisons. (laughs) But the scripture tells us that the only two men who were allowed to go into the promised land were Joshua and Caleb. And the reason God blessed them was because there was something uniquely different about them than the other ten men who represented Israel in that reconnaissance trip. Notice what happens when you read the word of God, you find out what was different. What made the difference for Joshua and Caleb? I want to give you three verses. The first one in Deuteronomy chapter 1. It says, except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, he shall see it. And to him and his children, I am giving the land on which he walked because he wholly followed the Lord. All right. The next one's in the book of Numbers. Notice what it says. But my servant Caleb, because here it is, he has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully. I will bring into the land where he went and his descendants shall inherit it. Once again, in the book of Numbers, notice this about Joshua and Caleb. Clear at the end of the verse, it says, For they have wholly followed the Lord. One of the passages says this, They were filled up with Almighty God. They had developed a relationship with God that made God the most important thing and the dominating thing in their life. So surely when they walked into this land that God had promised them, And they saw the giants and the high walls and all the terror of the land, which the Bible says devoured its inhabitants. Joshua and Caleb just looked at that and said, well, this is no big deal for God. I mean, God, we can do this. God, you've given us this land. We can do it. You see, what we do when we're afraid is we cultivate a relationship with God that makes us begin to understand who God is and what his capabilities are and what his power is. And then we begin to see our fears in the perspective of a God who is great and mighty and powerful and for whom nothing is too hard. In the New Testament, there's a verse. If I had to pick a verse that's the most important verse about fear in all the Bible, this would be it. It's 1 John 
4.18. I want you to read it out loud with me. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Now I want to ask you a question. What is the opposite of fear? What is it, class? Trust. That's a good one. What else? Courage. Those are all good, but they're all wrong. (laughs) But let me tell you what the opposite of fear is love. That's what the text says. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love. And in the book of Timothy, where Paul is speaking, and we mentioned this at the very beginning, what was the lesson? God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So how is love the opposite of fear? Watch carefully. When your little child wakes up in the middle of the night, as they sometimes do, and they're terrified of the darkness, you don't rush into the room and say, come on, be courageous. You pick the little boy up in your arms and you hold him as tight as you can and you tell him how much you love him and everything's okay and you're going to be all right and you envelop him in your love. Isn't that what you do? One of my favorite preachers of another generation was a man by the name of Harry Ironside. Harry Ironside said that he and his little boy, when his son was little, he used to play this game in their house called bears. He said, I was the bear. And my son was the one I was chasing. And today it's not bears, it's monsters. But in his day it was bears. And he said, we used to play this game all the time. And he said, one day when they were playing bears, the excitement got a little bit too intense. And the boy got cornered and all of a sudden he got scared. And for a moment he hid his face. Then, whipping around and throwing himself into his father's arms, he said, I'm not afraid of you. You're not a bear. You're my daddy. (laughs) And that's what God wants us to do when we're afraid, isn't it? Throw ourselves into his arms. He's our father. The opposite of fear is love. When we understand how much God loves us, when we get a hold of that truth, we will not be afraid. We will know that he loves us too much to allow anything in our life that can hurt or destroy us. That he is our father and he loves us desperately. And then as we cultivate that love back to him, remember, we can only love him because he first loved us. When we begin to love him as he has taught us by his love for us, that love begins to dispel fear. And when fear comes, we begin to express the love of God in our hearts that's shed abroad by the Holy Spirit by reaching out to those around us and ministering to them. There's nothing that can take you away from the paralysis of fear like getting involved in ministry to God's family and helping them and encouraging them and being a part of the things that trouble them. Perfect love casts out fear. So develop a close relationship with God. Learn to know him as your father. Don't spend so much time thinking about your fears. Spend all the time you can getting to know who your father is, and you'll be so excited to know that he loves you as he does. There's one last thought before we close our Bibles. I've been talking primarily to believers here about fear because we all deal with it. 
But I want to take just a moment and talk to someone today who may not know the Lord. Did you know that one of the fears, perhaps the one that dominates people more than any other, is the fear of death? Death is the great fear. I had a friend in the city where I used to minister who was so afraid of death, he had a canister of oxygen in every place you can imagine in his home. He had one in all of his cars. He had one in every bathroom. He had one in every bedroom. He had one in the kitchen. He had one in the garage. And I was visiting with him one day, and I said to him, what is this? He said, well, I have a little bit of a heart problem. And he said, I'm afraid that one of these days I might have a heart attack and I won't be able to get oxygen. And he said, and then I'll die. And he said, I'm trying to do everything I can to hedge my bet. You know, I think it's right to be careful. But that's a phobia. How many of you know that if death comes after you, all the canisters of oxygen you want to put anywhere may not help? I know some people that are just terrified of the thought of death. I I need to tell you something. I, I mean this sincerely. I am not afraid of death. I'm not. I look death in the face, and I'm not afraid. Now, I don't want to die. I want you to make sure you understand that. I want to stay around as long as I can and torment you. (laughs) But isn't it a wonderful thing to be able to say with absolute certainty, I'm not afraid of death. You know, the believer has the best that God has for him here. And if God brings death into his life, he graduates into the presence of the Almighty. But there are some people who go through all of their lives in bondage because of the fear of death. And I have a verse for all of you that I want you to note. It's in Hebrews. Listen carefully. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death. That is the devil. And watch this. And release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Isn't that an interesting verse? The Bible says that Jesus Christ came into this world and became flesh and blood, and he went to the cross, and he hung there between heaven and earth, and he paid the penalty for all of our sin, and he destroyed death's power over us. So that the Bible truly says, if you believe in Christ, you will live, and you will never die. Now, you may die physically, but you will not die spiritually, and physical death no longer terrorizes you. The Bible says Jesus Christ came into the world and hung on the cross and paid the penalty for all of our sin so that he could destroy the one who had the power of death. Who is that? The devil. And he could release us from the bondage of the fear of death that terrorizes us throughout our whole lives. So if you see a Christian who knows the word of God and knows the God of the word, you see somebody who's different than anybody in the world. He's not anxious to die. He doesn't want to die, but he's not afraid to die because he knows absence from the body is present with the Lord. And I want to ask you this question. Do you have that assurance in your heart today? Are you sure that if you were to die, you would go to be with God? The only way you can ever be sure of that is to put your trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior and invite Him into your life and accept Him as your Lord and Savior and ask Him to take away from you the fear of death and give you life everlasting, and He will do it. And just as I want to invite my Christian friends to get away from the spirit of fear and begin to believe in the God who loves them, I want to ask all of you who may not know the Lord Jesus Christ 
to give Jesus Christ first place in your life and ask him to forgive your sin and give you life everlasting. And he will take away from you the fear of death. He will give you the hope of eternal life. You know, the Bible says there are some people who are so afraid uh, that they live in the fear of death all the time. I've known some people like that. I had a friend one time who had an oxygen tank in every single room of his house because he was so afraid that something would happen and he wouldn't be able to live. You know, you have all the oxygen tanks in the world, and if you're not supposed to be here anymore and God wants you out of here, uh, you're gone. Uh, but you don't have to be afraid of that. I, I, I don't want to die, but I'm not afraid of dying. I figured that out when I went through cancer. I wondered if I would be. I didn't want to die because I didn't want to leave my family and didn't want to leave my beloved wife. Uh, but I wasn't afraid because I know that when I die, I'm going to heaven. Do you know that? You can know that now. You say, well, you can't know that till you step on. No, you can know it now because the Bible says when you put your trust in Jesus Christ, he will give you the gift of eternal life. And eternal life starts the moment you believe. The moment you believe, you will never die. You will die physically, perhaps, but not spiritually, and you will be with God in heaven forever. Would you do that today? Would you make your decision to trust Christ? The best decision you'll ever make. Do it now, right where you are. Accept Christ as your Savior. Our message today came to you from Shadow Mountain Community Church and Senior Pastor Dr. David Jeremiah. Will you update us on this ministry's impact on your life? Write to Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, Delta, B.C., V4L2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of Heaven Rules by Nancy DeMoss Wolgamuth and learn to find comfort and courage in this chaotic world. The book is yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James versions, available in several cover options. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue slaying the giants in your life on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Turning Point presents the Jeremiah Study Bible, drawing on more than 40 years of study by Dr. David Jeremiah. Take your personal Bible study deeper with unique introductions to each book of the Bible. 55 full-page articles exploring the essential themes of the Christian life. 8,000 study notes with insightful and practical content, an extensive cross-reference system, and helpful sidebars that extend to topics beyond the study notes. You can also take advantage of online resources available to you at jeremiahstudybible.com. Great for individual or small group studies, this Bible is available in the New King James and New International versions in standard or large print, as well as the English Standard Version in standard print with several cover options. For more information or to order your copy, go to davidjeremiah.ca slash jsb. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash jsb. In writing about passion, Samuel Zwemer, the famous American missionary to Muslim countries, noted the passion of other well-known missionaries. In this passion, he said, all other passions died. Before this vision, all other visions faded. They were pioneers of the kingdom, the forelopers of God, 
eager to cross the borders and discover new lands or win new empires for Christ. Everyone is passionate about something, and that's good. God made us to be passionate people. But like the Apostle Paul, we must be consumed with one passion above all others, knowing Christ and making Him known to others. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's passion on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.